to the weekly message from Angel of Joy Lutheran Church, an ELCA congregation located in Lufkin, Texas. Pastor Paul Guy and the family of Angel of Joy invite you to join us for worship at 10.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings. If you should find yourself in our neighborhood, please enjoy this message and visit our website at angelofjoy.org. Dear friends in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I heard about an incident that confused me and I thought maybe if I shared it with you, you could make sense of it. After a very long and boring sermon, the parishioners filed out of the church saying nothing to the preacher. Towards the end of the line was a thoughtful person who always had some kind of comment about the sermons, kind of like Dot does for me. And what this person said was, Pastor, today your sermon reminded me of the peace and love of God. And the pastor was thrilled and said, No one has ever said anything like that about my preaching before. Please, tell me why. Well, she responded, It reminded me of the peace of God because it passed all understanding and the love of God because it endured forever. And I thought to myself when I heard this story, I don't get it. Uh, Well, that brings us to the gospel reading today. Jesus' parable about the dishonest manager who was in the end rewarded and commended by the owner because he cheated. I don't get it. You know, I've read that and I've read it many times and I say to myself, huh? What? Well, ever since it was first told, I think, This parable has driven everyone crazy, including the scribes of later times who faithfully wrote it down so that others could still have this story for themselves and hopefully make some sense out of it. In fact, maybe it was written down and saved just because it was so perplexing. All kinds of interpretations have been offered through the centuries to try to explain away this particular crook that Jesus was writing favorably about. And to be perfectly honest, none of these explanations has been perfectly lucid or rational. In the end, I think we just have to live with this story's perplexing challenge. But rather than simply throw it out and move on to others that seem to make more sense to us, let's give it one more chance to speak to us, huh? Probably Jesus deserves that from us. And this is perhaps one explanation that is the most plausible. You see, long before Luke wrote this gospel, in in his world there was a long and respectable tradition of what might be called trickster tales. That is, stories that, for the moment, neatly reverse the accepted power structure 
For example, you've all heard of Aesop's fables, those nice little vignettes, those stories of wisdom like like the person that looked into the water and fell in love with that person in the water that was really only his own reflection. Well, Aesop also told stories about servants who fell into a master's disfavor and by cleverness or cunning managed to work themselves out of a difficult situation. And since Aesop predated all of the disciples and certainly the Gospel of Luke, perhaps he got some sort of inspiration from having heard one of those stories. The Old Testament, though, has its share of these stories, too. We remember the patriarch Jacob. Remember, certainly all the confirmants do. There was Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac had children. One of them was named Jacob. Jacob was the younger of two brothers, and it was always the older one that got the the birthright, the inheritance. Second one got a pat on the head and was sent on his way. But in this case, it was Jacob. Does anyone remember who the other brother was? Who? Esau. Esau. And you remember what happened? What was what was Esau like? He was a good-looking young man, right? No, he was all hairy, and he was a rough man. He was sort of the one that loved working out in the, with the animals, doing the hard labor. Jacob was the pampered one, the mama's boy. But because he was the mama's boy, he was the one that mama wanted to have somehow get that inheritance. And the blessing, and the blessing in those days counted for a whole lot. It meant he was going to have God's favor the rest of his life. And so, those that know the story know that what happened was that old Isaac was just about blind. He couldn't see worth a lick. And when the day came to get that blessing, Mama dressed up her son, her favored son, Jacob, with wool and animal smells and and she sent him in to get the blessing that was supposed to go to his older brother, Esau. And old blind Isaac didn't know any better and so he gave the blessing. Once you give the blessing, you can't take it back again. So he got the blessing and the inheritance by trickery and he became the patriarch in that point in, in the line of patriarchs. Well, things worked out in the end. He ran away because he knew his brother would probably kill him if he could catch him. So the brother really got to work the land after all. But the thing was, there was trickery involved. And then there was the great King David, who, in a nasty perversion of justice, seduced his neighbor's wife and then had the man killed in battle. And in the end, although the prophet chewed him out for it and said God was really ticked off at David and the baby by which, well, by which Bathsheba 
was carrying from David died. It was David and Bathsheba's other son, Solomon, who inherited the kingdom and God's blessing. So there are times in history, even in the Bible times, where people did rotten things and still came off smelling like a rose. In folklore, there's Wart, the lowly page, who pulls the sword out of the stone and becomes King Arthur. He didn't deserve it because the mighty warriors couldn't even pull that sword out of the stone. And then there's that scullery maid, Cinderella, who married the prince. I think it's kind of neat when we get to to look at the humor of, a, of an incident that just simply doesn't make sense, but somehow works out in the end. Such as that, that old vaudeville exchange that where the officer said, Sailor, do you have change for a dollar? And the sailor says, Sure, buddy. And the officer says, That's no way to address an officer. Now let's try it again. Sailor, do you have change for a dollar? To which the sailor says, No, sir. Well, that's probably why Vaudeville died. No, sir. Oh, well, anyway, a little drum roll would help over there, Jeff. <laughs> I was looking for a drum roll. And then in the course of history, a nondescript Jewish girl from a family of no particular account, without even a husband, became pregnant. That all by itself would be enough to make her an outcast. But you know the rest of that story too, don't you? This girl became honored down through the ages as Mary, who is the mother of our Lord. But back to the parable. Can't just let it go, can we? Read in this light, the storyline is that a servant has manipulated his master's money and has been justifiably fired. He did an unethical and dishonest thing. So out of a job and ashamed to beg and unfit for hard manual labor, what does this crooked manager do? Well, knowing that his master's debtors haven't yet heard about his discharge, he quickly calls upon them, and in turn, thinking he is still legitimately acting on behalf of the master, they're only really delighted when he says, that's it, I know how much you owe, you know how much you owe, but we'll just say it was less. Hallelujah, thank you, good friend. Thank you, they think to themselves. And later on, when he's out of a job, he knows that, well, they'll still be grateful to him, and they'll take him in and give him dinner from time to time, and not let him come to grief. So now the deed is done. And this is the heart of the matter. The master, when he finds out that he's been cheated once again, is caught in a bind. Being a respectable man, he can't very well lose face and let his debtors know that this crooked servant has pulled one over on him. He has a reputation to maintain, and he doesn't want to be known as a fool who can't even control his own servants. 
And more than that, the master looks at his servant with a wry smile and he commends him. Well, I got to hand it to you. I guess if I were in your shoes, I would perhaps have acted the same way. Yeah. Maybe I was a bit hasty. Maybe someone as clever as that does have a place in my employ after all. And he turns away with a smile on his face. Now, the thing to notice in Jesus' parable is the context or point of the story. After advising his audience to be prudent and frugal, he concludes that one needs to look out for their own best interests as well. Jesus is an idealist, but he's a realist as well. And the best thing... The best interest of all has to do with one's eternal life, to be prepared for the surprises and twists and circumstances that go along the way. The first will be last, and the last will be first. You've heard that, and Jesus said it again and again. The boastful Pharisee that seems to have everything going his way, good job, good reputation, a lot of money in the bank, he may not even get into the kingdom after all is said and done. And yet the rejects, the outcasts, the ones that are on on county assistance may get a seat and a table of honor. God has a way of doing what God wants, no matter what someone like I think is appropriate. And in our craving to do good theological work with Holy Scriptures, we may in the end, face up to discovering that God isn't all that impressed with our attempts to make the Bible say what we believe it says. Our interpretations may not be all that important. In fact, it may not be all that important at all that we know the Bible, so long as we behave as Jesus would have us behave. So I guess there will be times when we are going to scratch our heads We're going to look at that passage again and again. We're going to say to ourselves, I still don't get it. But at least we can rest in the assurance that God does get it and that he gets you as well. That God gets you because he wants to. And that's simply going to have to be enough for us for the rest of the time. And when all is said and done, and the preacher says, Amen, we turn to our hymnals and we sing. Amen. Thank you for listening. Please provide feedback on the iTunes podcast page and visit our website at angeljoy.org for more information.